good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Blacksmith's Furnace. Yeah, yeah. With myself, Pete. Come on, man, like Mo, we out here, the heavy hitters, yeah? The heavy hitters are here. The heavy hitters. None of that fluff. None of that little man thing. <laughs> it's the heavy hitters, you know, them ones there, Robert Lickle, man, yeah? It's the heavy Rob, hitters. Robert saw a fluff. <laughs> no, like that, man, saw. Oh, but, no bite. Saw. <laughs> Man, so many shots. <laughs> so many shots. They're not even like a minute in. <laughs> like, this, this has been this has been held held in. It's been bottled up so long. It's all coming out now. I hope nah. he listens to this. Yeah, listen to this. I'm talking about you, fam. You. You won't need to get too far in. <laughs> you, fam, you <laughs> Welcome to the Hating on Robert edition of, hey. uh, of the podcast. Nah, 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 nah. Um, Robert couldn't make today, but actually it works out well because we wanted to have a conversation with just in our pairs to see, you know, just to to see how different personalities uh, or our different personalities affects the conversations we have. Mm. So we will be talking about the same thing we did last week, but it will just be myself and Mo. So... I have a feeling it might get it might get a bit deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might, it might be interesting still. Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. So we normally start with our sorry not sorry. Are you willing to go one for one? Yeah, let's do one for one. Let's do a punch cool. a punch thing. Cool. You can go first. So I'll I'll hit you with the same question I hit Robert with, um, just to get your just to get your opinion on it. Mm. And it's actually I from... should know this because I did the Instagram thing, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> um it's from it's from your <coughs> video that you sent a while back that I admittedly didn't watch initially because I didn't like the guy. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, called yeah. me out on it, so I did watch it. Um and it he you know, he obviously set up a few uni students uh to come and you know, well, the idea was to um give someone reason or, or to explain salvation to someone. Mm. Um, and the video was, you know, why we shouldn't dumb down the gospel to yeah. the youth. Um, my question to Robert, and thus my question to you, Mo, is where that dealt with them describing what salvation is, or, or you know, what, what what came about to what comes about with Christ's death and all of that. Mm. Peter advises us to have a defense for why we believe that. Yeah. So they were they were saying what they what they believe, mm-hmm. but Peter wants us to give a defense for why. And so my question to you is, mm-hmm. why do you believe what you believe in terms of your salvation and God? Um, okay. Thanks for that. No, that's good. That's good. I like that. I, I now remember <laughs> that question as soon as you mentioned <laughs> it. Um, so I, I, I would I would want to backtrack as well and say, in as much as the uni students in that video were able to communicate like the gospel i still had a problem with the way they communicated it it was beautiful Mm. to hear them communicate it but they were just communicating doctrine Mm. for the most part they were just they were just communicating um (laughs) jesus was the propitiation for our sins and the blah 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 like like they were like in him justification and this and that and you could tell you can tell like the the hillsong guy from the from the from the like reformed guy, because the, the Hillsong guy came with a bit more emotion and feeling, mm. as opposed to like propitiation and blah 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 this and that. And the reformed mm. guy mm. came with them heavy hitting words, stuff, the substitutionary death. And yeah, punishment. like he came with all of that. So already, already, this is an example of how different our um, our personalities affect the conversation. Because with Robert, it was a slightly different take but my my to, to pull back a, or to push back a little bit on on that yeah what's wrong with the presentation of doctrine in answering that question because doctrine so, will inform what you believe anyway yes doctrine will inform what you believe um but we're not saved by doctrine mm. we're saved by a revelation of jesus and, and well, doesn't and that revelation that, that, of jesus in what isn't that informed by our doctrine no no it's communicate so everything that we believe about jesus is doctrine Mm. everything that we communicate about the bible is doctrine mm. and so it's not necessarily saying that doctrine in, in and of itself is bad but what, I'm, what i am saying is um so paul was like the gospel that i preached didn't come that wasn't taught to me by man or was it revealed by man that came by the revelation of jesus and it's what they communicated was taught was wasn't 
a it didn't feel okay it didn't seem as though it was like a an in in a conviction as opposed to having a script that you're reading or something that you've been taught which isn't okay. which doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily wrong but what i'm saying is the context in which they were asked the question is this guy's like i've got a knife in my back i've got 30 seconds to live communicate mm. the doctrine communicate the gospel to me yeah um if the if the gospel is communicated solely as doctrine for the most part someone with a knife in his back wouldn't necessarily feel their need for it now mm. now even if it's communicated very heartfelt and passionate without the holy spirit like nothing is being done mm. so the holy spirit is absolutely key but for me it was just like it's almost like writing an answer for an exam as opposed to living out it's like learning the formulas for maths to pass the exam and actually enjoying maths and being so engrossed in the formulas that you're just sitting down banging Pythagoras theorem. Okay. To me, that's that's the difference. Mm, it makes sense. Head knowledge versus heart experience. Almost. Yes. Almost. Yes. Yeah. And so I tell you, after re, after listening to that, I was like, how would I communicate the gospel? And as much as I'm not going to say how to communicate the gospel, but I was like, it would definitely be a lot more in line with um, human experience as opposed to just doctrine. Mm. Okay. And what I mean by that is just like we like just highlighting like we know we've like we know that we um we don't live up to our own standards, like something is wrong in life. Like we, mm. there's that need, there's that unfulfillment, blah blah blah, and recognizing that firstly there is a God. Mm. There is something higher and above us and outside of us that we need to submit to. And that's that's the first hurdle that people face. Mm. recognizing that there is a god that we need to submit to we like the notion of a god but we don't like the notion of a god that is totally outside of us that we need to surrender and submit to mm. Mm. that god is totally holy there is none other like him and i need to submit to him yeah but he has defined the way in which i submit to him which is only through jesus christ mm. and so that's that's more along the angle in which i would communicate as opposed to substitution or atonement blah 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 yeah. and that mm. all of those stuff and so mm. now moving on to a defense for what i believe in mm. and why i believe in the gospel is like i've lived long enough to make ex- only 30 bro, but i've lived long enough <laughs> i've lived long enough i was like i'm 60 bro i feel, I feel like i feel like abraham out here um <laughs> i've lived long enough to know that everything that I've tried to use to f- for a sense of fulfillment has fallen short. Mm. Everything that I have looked to to fulfill me has fallen short. Everything on earth, whether relationships, whether like um, jobs, finances, attainment, this and that, everything that I have looked to, everything that I have thought that this will fulfill me, this will give my life purpose, this will give me a sense of identity and worth has fallen short. Mm. And it's like the the best thing, like I got married and I thought, yeah, that it fell short. I had kids and I thought, yeah, it fell short. And it's like everything that I have sought to place my identity on or anything that I thought would give me a sense of purpose has fallen short. Mm. And I recognize that I am not able to give myself a sense of purpose. I am not able to do that for myself. I fall short and I make mistakes and I am not perfect. Mm. And so that right there is the problem of humanity that we are broken and I am broken. And it's like the only solution that I have come across has to be external from me, has to be external from humanity and the things that I have been looking to, to give me a sense of purpose. And the only thing external is a holy God. And the holy God, the only holy God that I have seen that that meets that and like is totally holy and isn't based on my perceptions or anything is the triune christian god Mm. that isn't like his word is sure there is assurance in his word there is assurance in who how he's presented himself it's not like that islamic god where he can choose to be merciful no our god is loving and he has given us an assurance of his love Mm. Mm. and it's like in him in jesus even it's funny it's like the prayer right before this i mentioned that jesus is the light of life Mm. like in him he gives substance to life he 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 breathes his very presence in my life has given perspective to everything else in my life Mm. and it's like it's that 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 grounds my faith 
<clears throat> that grounds my faith. And I, I would also throw in that the reason that I believe in Jesus is that in him I have hope. In him I have hope, not just for the life that I live, but for the life to come. Mm. After that, I have hope. And it's like our faith is a hope. Our mm. faith isn't a hope. Faith mm. is the assurance of things hoped for. And the greatest hope that we have is that we will live again in Christ. Mm. And so the, the assurance, the faith that I have is in the hope that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. Yeah, and good. so that's that for me that's why i believe because everything else has failed and it's yeah. only in jesus that i have found i have found um meaning i have found i have found that light that light that is life mm-hmm. that has given my life new perspective new new yeah that's dope. um yeah that's yeah. dope that's dope uh yeah 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 i think it's not not to get into you know because there will always be a rebuttal there will always yeah. be argument um but no I, that's 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 dope and i see exactly how you also even in when you're talking about um communicating the gospel via experience or via you know making it a more human mm. experiential sort of understanding or creating yeah. a more human experiential sense understanding than just um literature or yes um, uh, yes a- a- academia uh, an academic approach yeah. and and i see the same thing in your defense as well which is actually which is quite dope which is quite dope as well so and i, cool. I think I'm, I'm yeah happy. yeah mm. thank you um mm. and i think i i did come from the reformed um camp and then mm. with my master thesis i went all the way liberal and i mm. realized that okay like like Jesus became man that there is a humanity in Christianity it isn't mm. just all head knowledge it isn't just all doctrine yeah. and we need to retain that we need to not become um like in the full sense of the word stoic and like um mm. detached from mm. human experiences but we need to recognize that the gospel almost engulfs and breathes new life into the human experience mm. and recognizing that and recognizing that Jesus actually enriches how I experience life as a human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know, I did have another question, but I want to flip the same question to you, a defense for your faith. Well, I actually, I actually um, spoke on it in the last uh, ah, episode. I'm going so, to listen to it. Okay, fine. No, I'll give you another one. <laughs> Listeners, uh, <laughs> it'll be linked in the description. No, it won't. It's just the last episode. <laughs> it will be. Go, go listen to the last episode. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, all right, so um, in the Ten Commandments, mm. we are told not to lay with our sisters or brothers. Mm. It uncovers the nakedness of our father, even half sisters or half brothers. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't lay with them. Don't ask me about Abraham and Sarah. Man. I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> so how do we just how do we how do we navigate that? Because Abraham was, Sarah was the, so not only, not only was Sarah Abraham's half-sister, but she also slept with somebody else. And that is grounds for divorce. So those are two things. But obviously the the sleeping of another person was almost by, in obedience to what the husband had said. Exactly, yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is wild. But um, those are two things. (laughs) that kind of go goes against what was highlighted in the new testament but my main thing is how do we navigate abraham marrying his half sister knowing that the bible in the ten commandments explicitly states do not marry the opposite sex that you're related to either by a mother or father by both of them i'm gonna do a i'm gonna do a false teacher move and uh (laughs) Twist, twist, uh, <laughs> twist some, twist some laws because well, not laws, but twist, uh, twist my principle to say that in this instance, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to stand on the ground that the Ten Commandments had not yet been given. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> even though, even though, and and I think it's important to make the distinction or, or to rebuttal that, even though, um. Even if you look at Cain and Abel's sacrifices, mm-hmm. one fit the law's um, requirements and one didn't. Mm-hmm. 
mm. if that makes sense. Abel's fit the law's requirements and Cain's didn't. So somehow, even Noah, the um, number of the number of animals that went onto the ark, the ones that were useful for sacrifice, Abraham uh, Noah took more of those yeah. apart from the yeah. male and female. And Seven of each, I believe. Yeah, and that's that's um that's uh prerequisite had not yet been made because the law yeah. hadn't been given. Yeah. So even though it hadn't been given, it was obviously still in place. But let me also let me also throw in a joke. Um how did Cain find a wife? Um and Cain married hey. he married his brother's sister because he was able. <laughs> I'm just being, I'm just doing all the cheesy stuff right now. Um, yeah, so it's it, it's it's an interesting one because initially I didn't even know that Sarah was actually his half, um, his half sister mm. until you know reading it properly and then be like, oh okay, when he said she's my sister, he wasn't entirely lying; he was just yeah. being deceptive. Yeah. But I think from a biological viewpoint, the human race at that point, you know, if if we're to go by um that timeline of existence yeah. yeah the human race wasn't um it wasn't diluted enough to cause issues with inter-sibling marrying if that makes sense mm. so by all okay. estimations okay abel and cain would have married one of their sisters like obviously there would have been a lot of spread and all of that but it wouldn't be as bad as you know because with any sort of breed or, or race at the same at the beginning you're just going to have mm. two and then they're going to intermix and those will obviously introduce whatever genetic things but eventually yeah. at once there's a spread then bringing them back together becomes an issue biologically mm. uh, at least I, I think so and that's why you know it's completely wrong now because we've gone so far out and yeah. we come back just how together. much variations and exactly. blah 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 yeah. okay yeah but back in then, back in those days, I don't think biologically it would have been as much a problem because there wasn't that much spread, quite literally, mm. you know, of, of the human race across the face of the earth. Um, also, that's an interesting argument. I haven't uh, come across, but that's a very interesting argument. And, and, I, and I can't speak authoritatively on the biology of it, but it just mm. makes sense in my head. And I haven't, like I said, I haven't studied it or anything. Yes. Yeah. It just makes sense in my head that there wouldn't have been that many people Anyway, and if you even think of Adam and Eve, he basically, you know, she came from him. So, mm. you know, make of that what you will. Mm. But also, <laughs> culturally, culturally, it was it was almost, um, I, I don't want to say necessitated, but it was the thing to do was keep the marriages in the family. And so even Abraham, when he sent out for um, a wife for Isaac. It was from one of his family, and I yeah. think Isaac also ended up married essentially one of his cousins, yeah. or, or something along those lines. So culturally, that was what was expected as well, and so that those those are the reasons why I think it's justifiable for Abraham to have married his half sister. Um, under those that's interesting. That's interesting, and it's even more interesting with considering. Um, the Noah narrative as well, because if mm. the everyone from yeah. the face of the earth was wiped away and yeah. Abraham's like starting all over again, then again there's like much less options and all mm-hmm. of them things there. And so it, it would have been start so it would have been like an Adamic period again where yeah. they're just starting to populate everything. Which yeah. I hadn't considered. And that that's very interesting. And yeah. I also wanted to push back slightly. Now this is not to do with the question. But mm. in terms of Cain and Abel, uh, Abel, I said Abel, mm. mud. Um, I must say Cain and Abraham. Um, <laughs> Cain, this that timeline jump is crazy. Mm. Um, Cain and Abel, from the perspective of yes, Abel's um, sacrifice was more in line with what God had um, instituted later down the line. Mm. But I also read that. Um, Abel gave like the first fruits of his flock, mm. whilst Cain just gave God anything. Like it was like, yeah, this would be essentially. Is that is that explicitly said though? Because I, I don't know. Because I've I've heard that before as well. Mm. But I don't necessarily know that Cain didn't present something that was 
presentable, if that makes sense. Yeah. But so that, think... that argument sort of suggests that Cain just grabbed anything and brought it. I don't know if that's the case. I don't think the Bible explicitly says. So the Bible doesn't explicitly say that about Cain's offering, but explicitly mm. states that Abel brought the first fruits of his lambs. Mm, yeah. And so I'm like, if you had, if like, if Cain had done that as well, why mm. wouldn't they have ex- like explicitly stated that? And so by that omission, but stating it on Abel's side and mm. an omission on Cain's side, I'm like, all right, that then indicates, I could be wrong, Mm. But it indicates no, that, true. like, Cain just grabbed stuff as he was going. I'm like, I'm going to give this to God. And as much as he recognized that he needs to sacrifice to God and stuff, he didn't recognize that I need to give God the best of whatever I have. While I was able, almost had that heart where I was like, I want to give off of God the best that I have mm. or the first fruits or whatever. And so he he did that with his offering. Um, so, yeah, because I... Because even in the in the um, Old Testament, uh, like rituals and stuff, they were he was still uh, accepting grain offerings and stuff like that. Mm. And so, if it's just by virtue of what was offered, then then the grain offerings and stuff wouldn't necessarily, in as much as it's, it's in addition to, it wouldn't necessarily hold weight if mm. God didn't want that. Um, I don't think, anyways. Again, I could be wrong, but I've I've heard the argument a lot around able given like meat and mm. cane given of um like vegetables and stuff but my rebuttal to that is that's all they had like they gave what they had mm. um and if canes wasn't acceptable because it wasn't meat then it's like what he had wasn't good enough not necessarily the meat aspect but i think the specification well was what sacrifice were they making? Was it a sin offering? Was it a thanks offering or something like that, if that mm, makes sense? Yeah. And that's where Abel okay. met the specification where Cain's didn't. Um, but also, I've also heard the argument of Abel bringing a lamb, you know, obviously um, yeah, yeah. pointing towards Christ, but then yeah. also Cain bringing the fruit of his own works, being a tiller of the ground. Mm. It would have come by his works, but a lamb, you know, a lamb grows out of God's grace, essentially, because all you're doing is feeding it and yeah. uh, walking around. So there was that element as well. But yeah, I, th- yeah, I would, so I would, I, I feel happy to reject that. Mm. I feel happy to reject that just by <laughs> virtue of one plants another waters, but God gives to increase. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and yeah, again, coming back to they had, they gave what what they had, and yeah, if. I think I'll be happy to reject that. Um, mm. if, if I'm wrong, I'm hoping that like God will kind of point me in the right direction eventually. Mm. But I, I feel happy to reject that as in like pointing to Jesus. Because mm. I think that is very much, that's allegorical. Yeah. Highly yeah. allegorical. And I'm just like, I don't know if that story is to be interpreted allegorically. Um, and it may not be to be interpreted literally either. Um but mm. yeah, I don't think it's to be interpreted allegorically. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to kind of reject that for the minute. <laughs> but almost yeah. like put down the back burner and just be like, nah, I don't think it's this. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyways, let's get into it. Cool. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Uh, so we we sort of spoke about beauty, um, and I guess the first first question would be, what's your definition of beauty? Um, my definition of beauty is mm. is not necessarily a, re- a definition of um, beauty as seen or anything, but beauty in and of its nature. Um, and I, I would say beauty is spiritual. Okay. Because um, the, yeah, so beauty is fundamental. I believe it's fundamentally spiritual, but I also believe that there are like, um, Obviously, there's like aesthetics and um, um, psych- psychological um, elements to it in terms of like our thoughts on beauty and us perceiving beauty. Um, mm-hmm. But I also believe that so there's only one ultimately beautiful being or thing, not necessarily thing, but being, which is God. Mm-hmm. Um, God is beautiful and God is, is, is spiritual. So I believe that he, uh, beauty is spiritual and 
everything else kind of the beauty of everything else kind of emanates or originates from him and so the beauty of humanity the beauty of good the beauty of whatever kind of emanates from there but in our perception of beauty i think beauty um you can't you can't i can't really talk about beauty without saying that in saying one thing is beautiful makes another thing ugly the opposite of that thing is that what you're referring to yes so if if i say um um babies playing is beautiful then the opposite whatever the opposite of babies playing may be or people that maybe um i may be inferring that is not beautiful okay it it presents a comparison Mm. because to recognize that this is uh, um desirable is to say the opposite of this is not desirable. So if, I, if I'm like, Peter is tall, then anyone who doesn't quite reach Peter's height or stature in comparison to Peter is short or is not as tall as. Okay, you might have to, you might have to speak a bit more as to why you, why you make that distinction. So um, I make that distinction particular. because, so I make that distinction in terms of height or beauty. Well, in terms of beauty, in terms of one thing being beautiful, meaning that it's opposite, which is what I'm presuming, is that it's opposite is not beautiful. So what I mean by that is not so much that maybe not beautiful isn't the best choice of words, but mm. um, in me saying that one thing is desirable, it's me saying anything counter to that or what is counter what is like in that instance what is counter to that is not desirable and so if i'm like um straight teeth are beautiful mm. i'm like if if your teeth are jaga jaga that's not beautiful <laughs> you know like that so you so the assertion you're making is that beauty has to be compared to something beauty else. doesn't have to be compared it, not, okay. I'm not saying that it has to be compared. What I'm saying is by me defining something as beautiful, I am making something contrary to that, by extension, undesirable. Or make or reducing its desirability. Mm. So I guess the thing I don't want to say is I don't think that's universally true. Okay. Because, yeah, I keep thinking if I say fire is beautiful, am I then saying ice is not? No, but anything that inhibits fire okay so a fire extinguisher and again again this this is one of those philosophical statements yeah 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 where yeah, and listen to what i'm like going down that road. yeah it's a philosophical statement where it's um everything has its beauty in the right context mm. everything mm. has its beauty in its right context Okay. And a context specific, if I am in, um, if I'm in Antarctica mm. and I am freezing and I'm presented with fire and it's oh. beautiful, mm. if I turn and I see ice, I'm like, eh. <laughs> like contextually, it makes sense. And if, <clears throat> if as a parent, I am looking forward to seeing the birth of my child and I see it and it is beautiful. If unfortunately there's a miscarriage, that is ugly. Mm. That is undesirable. And in that context, it is not. It is not beautiful. Are you conflating the definition? Or actually, not maybe not even conflating, but is your definition of beauty then not necessarily held in the physical appearance or in the aesthetic of something are those two separate things that what you're suggesting for me Mm. beauty isn't physical appearance it isn't it isn't whatever um okay yes something may be aesthetically pleasing Mm. so a person may be aesthetically pleasing but i've lived again i've lived long enough to know that fam you can have a pretty face but your attitude and your personality be trash been around the block enough times you know no one's there been been, a bit too many been, times. Been a, been a hoe enough to know, yeah? Fam, Jenny from the block in that. Um, Yo, relax. Why, why did Jennifer Lopez take a shot? Hey, deflecting that. Um, it's, mm, it's, okay. So for me, beauty isn't something that is, is necessarily um, physical. Yes, mm. I, I, and that doesn't negate aesthetics. That doesn't negate something being aesthetically pleasing. 
Um, mm. But beauty in and of itself for me isn't, isn't held within, in, within the physical. And that's why I say beauty is spiritual. Okay, okay, okay. So what, what would you, because what I think part of the, well, I don't know if it has to be a separate conversation, but uh, definitely I know what, what Robert was referring to when he asked me about beauty was mm. the physical aspect of it, yeah. the physical um, representation of beauty. So yeah. where I completely get what you're saying in that beauty isn't just a physical attribute of something what element of it is or what's your understanding of the physical element yeah okay um physically Mm. anything that is aesthetically pleasing to me so to you what constitutes aesthetically pleasing so um physically (laughs) (laughs) you better be describing gems you better just describe gems just just go ahead are we we talking um like human like in yeah yeah let's start there let's start there let's start there in humans then yeah like i would have to describe my wife um you don't have to I'm fam. It's just a smart option to make you know no one's there i want i want to live to see the next year um no my, my wife is beautiful Mm. and um both in and out so it's like both <laughs> uh, pun um both um <laughs> both um personality or personality wise like her mind conversation aesthetically like she's appealing to me um and i believe i am to her so it's uh, peter's looking at the screen like what's why is that guy on that 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 <laughs> um so for me, that there's always been a sense of um, the body being the body being beautiful and so voluptuous, but not always voluptuous. I think I find proportionality mm. more appealing than big breast, big bum. Mm, mm, so mm. you could be slim and not necessarily have all of those attributes or assets, but if the body is proportionate, I'm like, yeah, go on, do you. <laughs> um and it's bad like if your your legs are longer than your torso i'm just a bit "Mm, that's a bit mud or your torso is longer than your legs but depending on how that's built i'm I'm still like "Mm." um so yeah there for me like proportionality um speaks a lot in terms of um physical beauty and um yeah voluptuous i like i like the um, the African shape, the Afro-Caribbean shape within reason. Mm. That's mm. just a personal preference. And That's I know fair. that the Afro-Caribbean shape, I'm, 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 a, I'm leaning to a stereotype when I say the Afro-Caribbean shape because not everyone fits into that. Mm. Um, but I like, I like that, especially on a female, I like that. Mm. It's interesting that you should, you should cite proportions as a element of 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 beauty because that's exactly what i said as well yes um to to robert was it it's all about being in proportion Mm. and for that reason you know something like a like a cardi b or like all of this this trend to you know surgically enhance shapes i think um is not attractive because it's completely Mm. out of proportion you see yeah you see like literally you know it's like it's like lollipops on your legs. Or something. This, this, that's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Those legs like, don't support that backside. Like, no, it, it doesn't. It, and doesn't. it doesn't. It doesn't look appealing, even though that's where the it seems the industry is trending. But mm. yeah, no, I find I find that interesting as well. Um, with with regards to to that to the physical aspect of of beauty, would you would you say something like, or would you say social media has affected that at all? Oh, most deaf. Most deaf. Mm. <clears throat> I was having this conversation with a couple that came over a couple of days ago, I think over the weekend. And um, for the most part, everyone, everyone, regardless of your age, everyone knows, unless you shouldn't be on social media under the age of 13, mm. um, everyone on social media has some recognition that this is fake. Um, what we see on social media is a highly curated feed of people trying to live their best life or trying to present that they're living their best life. And people who are presenting that they have the best bodies are, to a large degree, editing these pictures, whitening their teeth, snatching in their waist, pushing out their bums. It, like, it's highly edited. Um, 
and highly but, curated. You know, I, do you think? I don't think it's a it's a safe assumption to make that everyone understands that. Do you know? I think not that everyone understands it. I do believe there's a recognition of it, and I think the if reason there was I think... a recognition of it would 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 social media be responsible for so much like mental health issues and self esteem issues if people really truly recognize that you're watching someone's highlights or edited highlights mm. as opposed to you know the the real behind the scenes what goes on if that makes sense so um again i think as human beings we tend to be very visually driven mm. so i don't watch horror films i know that these are like staged but i don't watch them because i'm like if i see it i'm going to mm. be shook i don't know why but okay like that that's just me and, like, and there's a bag of people that don't watch it because they're like if i see this i might not sleep tonight in as much as i know that this is just a film mm. but there's still the recognition that i am taking this into me and i am going to visualize this and perceive this as having some some truth or some weight in reality mm. which is going to affect me sleeping at night at least by myself mm. Um, and so in as much as we know something isn't true doesn't necessarily mean well the effects that it has will be diminished over us and especially something like social media in which we are constantly on or we are constantly exposing ourselves to it's like advertisement in newspapers and, and magazines where we know that the models don't look like the models in the pictures because it's been heavily photoshopped. Yeah, but then that's a model on a picture. That's one issue a month. That's yes. this is clearly yes. that person who's all the way yes. out there. But if you're watching a Instagram feed and it's people on a daily, you mm-hmm. know, um, that are presenting, oh yeah, I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's the distinction made that your best life that you're presenting to me every single day, multiple times a day isn't actually your best life and you're sort of curate, curating the yeah. the highlights and presenting it, those. It two. is a perception. It is a perception and we buy into that perception. Mm. Um, it, may, it may have been a stretch to say everyone recognises it, but I do believe that the vast majority of people do have some recognition of their, like, it is edited. Mm. Even from the point of, like, young people using snapchat filters because they recognize that their skin looks different on the snapchat filter than it does in real life mm. so i was driving with my daughter on saturday i was taking her back home and she took she had shown me a picture of her and i was like wow like you look obviously you look like yourself but you look really young and then she's like no nah, it's just a filter and i was like no nah, it's not and then she took a picture live live and i was like fam you look three years younger <laughs> simply by virtue of the filter mm. and I'm, i was just like that and like she recognizes it that the filter is what had made her skin look clearer like she's about to hit puby and so she's starting to go like just um pimples and stuff and it's like it made her skin look clear like mm. and i was and i gave her like little makeup and them things there and it, it's a case in which she recognised that some of the pictures that are posted up, the filters and blah, 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 does alter people's faces and the way they look and stuff. But mm-hmm. still, and we haven't necessarily had this conversation or um, I haven't seen her engage with social media to this degree, but still mm-hmm. recognising that it's like seeing other people's TikToks or Snapchats or Insta posts or whatever still affects us. Yeah. Um, there is that there I do believe that there is that recognition. It may not be as widespread as every single person, but I do believe that the vast majority of people mm-hmm. recognize that like Instagram is social media is filtered. Mm, okay. Even if it's just by virtue of taking a picture with a filter. Yeah, there sure. are yeah. filters. yeah. How how does that affect the definition of beauty then? How uh, even if there is that understanding? How does that still affect it? Or even by your own admission, knowing something doesn't necessarily mean that it still won't affect you. So what effects yeah. do you think it has on that definition of beauty or those expectations? I think it um, it it raises, it's raising the bar of beauty. It's raising the bar of the expectation of beauty. Um, it's raising 
an already impossible standard. Mm. Um, and it's bringing it onto like a much more, um, bringing it much, much more closer to home than it should be. In that, again, as you said, magazines were released once a month for however, however, whatever the frequency was, but there was a cycle Mm. where they had to collate stories, collate images, edit them, blah, 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 publish them. And then you had to invest financially to go get them or go to places in which you can actually read them. And then, like, there was a cycle to this. Um, And you had to be somewhat intentional about consuming this stuff on a regular basis, unless, like, you're just looking at billboards and stuff. Um, But that barrier has now been broken. Mm. And now there is a daily and constant stream of these images in your house, mm. in your in your safe space. And that is now fashioning and forming the images and ideas that we have of ourselves as to how things ought to look like or how mm. things ought to be. Um, some like personal trainers who would have spent years just like honing their body we then now come out and be like, yeah, um, I do this five-minute workout to get six packs. Mm. And then you're there slaving away for five minutes for like two months and your your belly is still there and you're just like, what's going on? <laughs> it's like those infomercials where they're like selling this wonder at home you know, like every that. workout at Exit uh, Machine. And I'm like, you didn't get the muscles you're, you're, you're using on that machine. You're telling me, like, <laughs> my dad will go and buy it. <laughs> and it's like, even what I heard was uh, Insanity, the guy who did Insanity, Sean T. Yeah, yeah. He banged P90X to get his body mm. and then used that P90X body to sell Insanity. So insanity. How about that? <laughs> and it's just like, yo, and even if you see him in Insanity, He'll bang the exercise for like two, three minutes and mm. then stop and then go stand beside one of the other people doing it and encourage them. But you see that he's catching his breath. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, bro, these are like all market. And it works. It has worked historically. Mm. But mm. now that barrier of having to be intentional about consuming these things is now just gone. Mm. It is literally just in everyone's feed. Um and everyone is growing up with the notion of this this is attainable this is something that i need to like aspire to ascribe to or achieve mm. and if i don't then there's something wrong with me mm. that's the issue where you start to believe that there's something wrong with you if you don't meet this standard of beauty that is that is that is like curated if your life isn't a perfect instagram grid Mm. where relationships are falling apart in real life but on instagram and youtube it's it's still fine yeah like i heard stories of people of couples who had split and had found other couples other people to be with are still presenting on youtube that they're together it's part of the brand it's part of the brand and that's where both of them get their money from Mm. Mm. (laughs) that's that's dark that's actually but, dark. And it's mad. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If, like, if I was in them positions there as the new partner, recognising that my partner now is having to go off with their ex to go shoot and, like, pretend that they're together, just, mm. fam, I'd be like, nah, do you, man? I don't want this relationship. <laughs> Are you mean? What? What? And, mm. what, and lips on camera? And that? Nah, I'm not on it. I'm not on it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna share my partner with someone just to just to make peace. Am I a pimp? Nah, nah, nah. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think it makes the um, it raises the bar. It makes the standard it is impossible. Um, that constantly going on Instagram, seeing guys on on um, Instagram and stuff, personal trainers on Instagram, and. Dave, Dave put in work, like all of this work. And I'm just sitting there looking at myself like, brother, you're a waste man. What are you doing? <laughs> sitting here on, on your fourth pack of Oreos, like belly sticking <laughs> out, fit, not fitting into these extra, extra large um, tracksuit bottoms and them things there. 
Mm. And I'm just, but and that again, that is a really unhealthy. Um, obviously, like doing that is unhealthy. In that mm. sitting down and just eating Oreos and stuff, there, there there is a level of being unhealthy in that. But it's the unhealthy pressure of having to meet a certain standard. Mm. The unhealthy pressure of trying to live to meet external standards that even that person is not able to live up to is something that. And I think I do want to push back also against pushing back so much um, on external standards that you're not necessarily held accountable or anything externally. It's like, I'm like, ah, oh, they're fat shaming. I'm just going to be fat. No, you need to be healthy. Mm. It's like fat shaming is wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to condone fat shaming. What I do want to advocate for is living a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't look like going to the gym five times a week and only eating vegetables and blah, blah, blah. But take care and maintain what you have. Mm. Just take care of yourself. Um, mm. Recognize what you're putting into your body and just ass- assess if, if what you're putting into your body is actually doing your body good. It, it, I guess it comes down to a question of priorities and whether the quality of your life and the quality of your health should be higher up the priority list than what you are looking like which is where all of these things come in you know yeah you look fat but actually if you are healthy and you're doing what you're doing you know it doesn't really matter yes yeah. yes 100% agree with that and I think because you could also um, look extremely fit and actually be very unhealthy in what you're doing bro, to yourself and overtraining and supplementation and all of that jazz so there's a balance in that but I think the priority has to be quality of life over aesthetics. Yes. 110% so yeah I think yeah you mm-hmm. is our current our current notion of eating um, especially with social media I think is problematic um, mm-hmm. at best do, do you think that has that filtered into the church at all and and into what's accepted as physically beautiful in the church both on um, a female and a male perspective okay i was even gonna um i was even going to speak about the church the wider church as well as opposed okay. to the individuals in it where yeah. with the social media narrative now and people pushing to be online and everything even the aesthetic of the church is something that is being um considered and so how you present the church on social media like this like this church runs like Hillsong or this church runs like this mm. or this like the the church now the church now has become a brand mm. um and literally it is a brand um some churches anyways they are a brand and we need a smoke machines we need this we need that in order to be able to keep up with the branding worship mm. can be hit and miss but the smoke machines cannot mm. you know like that like Bruh. <laughs> there's there, there's that and it's like if mm. you're just if you're just meeting someone's house then it isn't good enough for social media mm. if that makes sense there's that notion why it's just like meeting in a house can sometimes even be more impactful mm. than meeting in a bigger building depending on the context and the people that are there and everything like yeah. that yeah. um and so even like even like that the face that you present of the church has now been subjected mm. to these I, I won't say now it has been subjected that subjected to these notions and um standards of beauty mm. um and i i have heard someone argue from the perspective of um Dad. hello noah the god having defined the clothes that the levite should wear and the priests and everything like that and so that there, there was a grandeur to mm. this and there was like a pomp to it which mm. wasn't necessarily for them but reflecting the god that they served and mm. almost that being a brand in which when you saw this you know that it was god and mm. like god having set the ten commandments is, is branding it's like when you come to me the, like people have almost tried to articulate mm. it like that um and i'm just like there is a standard there is a standard um, mm. when it comes to them. Standard isn't necessarily the clothes you wear. Um, isn't necessarily the clothes you wear. It should affect the clothes you wear, mm. but it isn't the clothes you wear. Well, the um, brand was defined. The brand was defined. How God's people will be known yes. was defined by Christ. They will yes. know you 
by yes. your love. Another. By your love. Not by your clothes, not by your dressing like this. This is it. By your love. Um, and mm. so that then is like the church's face publicly mm. has become something that has been subjugate, uh, subject to beauty and social media and blah, blah, blah. And that then trickles down into the people. Mm. If you're trying to present a church that is popping, blah, blah, blah. If man them try to come in dressed in certain ways, it may not necessarily adhere to that. Don't sit at the back. You know the ones that sit in the blind spot of the camera. Stay, stay in the yeah, stay in the corners where you've designated for no no cameras mm. and stuff. Mm. Um, or unless they want to be like a church that is noted for a- accepting um, everyone. So it's like yeah, come to the front. All of you man mm. with suits and ties, stay at the back. Mm. We don't we don't want or like one or two of you will go to the front. Just mm. so we can have that, like that, uh, what's it, diversity within the front and then things there. So I do believe that there is that. And on the flip side as well, we've got the old school churches who women can't wear skirt, can't wear trousers. You can only wear skirts. Um, mm. You need to wrap your head. Man, them you can't wear earrings. Um, you can't braid your hair. Like mm. you, like certain external standards without taking without taking much consideration for the person themselves. Mm. Um, so long as you adhere to what we want you to like perceptions then we're good mm. um, so yeah I do believe that that has trickled in but I don't particularly believe that was social media in terms of the dressing dress codes mm. for these old school churches because they've been doing that from day mm. um, but I do believe that now there, there's been a push to present a aesthetically pleasing church Mm. On social media, your the keys are gonna be the keys are gonna be jangling like mad in the background. Yeah, no, is that but it's okay because I think I actually I actually prefer I actually like that we we leave it almost there and mm. not need to go into like the individual because I think that's 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 actually that's actually a good observation that hasn't necessarily been um been addressed in where church leadership sees the beauty of the church or, or the the brand of the church that they're trying to present um and and how that's actually also yeah become become an issue to some extent it's become an idol it's become, it's that, become yeah. an idol yeah, there you go whereas like my church needs like this is the brand that i want for my church and i've worked mm. with churches where well, i've worked in churches and with churches where they've been like we need photography, we need this, we need that. And it's like, mm. we seek to present this face because mm. this is how we want to be known. And mm. I'm just like, ah, ah. That shouldn't be, that, that shouldn't, shouldn't be yeah. high up on the list at all. At all. And understandably, there is an element of wanting to have a presence so mm-hmm. that if people, you know, and, and, and there's elements of that in being a city on a hill, if yeah. that makes sense. You know, there there is a... There is something that puts you out there that means people can see and not ignore you. The only difference yeah. is that thing isn't a manicured aesthetic presentation. This is it. And I, I sometimes actually believe, and I think this is one thing that I was I was hinting towards when we were speaking to um, the reason to behold guys, because mm. Arnold was speaking about having to, when we we're speaking about um, race relations and stuff like that. He says sometimes he has to like step back and think about things from a Christian perspective and recognise that his knee-jerk reaction may very well be that, like a roadman, that wasn't the word he used, Mm. but more so from the old mindset. Mm. But he needs to almost remind himself that now he's almost living in a new space. Mm. And the pushback that I have from that is very much along the lines of this, but I believe that in, as for Christians to be intentional about presenting that we are still human Mm. in this present something which is relatable mm. present something that other people can buy into like jesus presented as a human mm. he, he didn't present as a human jesus was human he was fully man <laughs> he yeah. was fully man and fully god and it's like it was in his humanity that he uh hebrew says that high priests are chosen not because they're faultless but because they're able they, they've fallen and they're able to sympathize with people when they fall and it's very much that like we are human we are fallen we make mistakes we're not happy about it but we're striving we're trying to grow in grace we will make mistakes but we're trying to learn from that and i believe that 
humanity and humility within that, even though we're proclaiming we follow this great God who has done so many great things, but we are still fallen. We will still make mistakes. We're not, it's not something we do intentionally, but unfortunately we will make mistakes. Pastors do cheat on their wives. Like choir boys do end up doing stuff they shouldn't do. Drummers do end up doing stuff that that's not condonable, but unfortunately it happens. We are striving to do better and to do more and to better reflect this God, but unfortunately there will be there will be maggots within this bag. Mm. And I believe that is a more inviting place to be than saying more realistic. Yes, than saying we're perfect, we've got everything sorted out, and then people coming in lifting up skirts and recognizing that nah, like things are actually bad. Yeah. You know, like that. Why did he specifically say skirts? But um, anyway, no, nah, let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. <laughs> let's leave it there. No, that's 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 good. That's good. Um, cool. Should we go on to hookups? Yeah. 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 Cool. Do you want to go first or? Um, you can go first. Actually. Cool. Well, then my hookup will be. Um. So I've st- started listening to a new podcast. Um, well, how like many I said, podcasts do you listen to? Currently, twenty-two. Oh no, that twenty-seven. Like so much of the head. Yeah, just because I can see it, just because I can see, like I'm looking at my podcast now. So, I'm saying this tentatively because I haven't listened to a lot of their episodes. But the Prophecy Pros podcast is an interesting one by two American guys um, who are admittedly interested in have written books about and um have quite been quite um quite passionate about prophecy mm. and they've they started a podcast and they just sort of talk about biblical prophecy and um try and bring some relevance to what's going on from that point mm. of view so it is interesting and like i said i haven't listened to a whole bunch of it but i've listened to some of them and they're quite grounded it's quite interesting it's not it's not woo woo or anything like that <laughs> they try and keep it biblically based and grounded so it's quite quite decent but um yeah yeah if you want to listen to two americans sometimes with special guests talk about prophecy biblical prophecy then uh prophecy pros podcast oh and actually i wanted to shout out another one as well so one of my friends has just written a book. I know I'm going to put it in the video, like, people can watch it. But it's called um, The Last Eve, um, and it's the Mystery of Sanctification oh, yeah. book. I remember this book. Uh, yeah, so it's a book by one of my friends from church called Shan Lu. And um, it's not like she's not making a whole bunch of profit from it or anything. It's just a really good book that she's written. Um, and, yeah, you guys can check it out. It's called... The Last Eve Mystification. You can buy it on Amazon. Okay. She will have an audiobook and stuff ready, but hey. not, not, that's not ready now. But yeah, you can go and buy the book on Amazon and I think on her website as well, but I'll link both of them. Sweet. Yeah. So my um, hookup is the the video that you mentioned at the beginning of the, ah, of cool. the podcast, which cool. is the video called Definite Proof We Must Not Dumb Down the Gospel for Our Youth. Yeah. That's such a Christian title. It's also it's also slightly misleading. Yeah, that's you know I thought I thought it was gonna go left, so I was yeah. like, oh, let me yeah. watch this <laughs> clickbait. Um, yeah, and yeah, so that that would be my hookup for the week, and cool. so it'll be my hookup will be two part. Watch this mm. and just think about how you would communicate the gospel as mm. a result of this. Um, you. You, if you listen to last week's one and this week's one, then you would have heard the entire um, furnace mm. communicating how they would communicate, like sharing how they would communicate the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, whether you think we made mistakes, whether you emphasize something else, whatever it was, mm. um, yeah, like leave comments. Um, if you want to push back on something, challenge something, let us know. Ah, do you, do you, have you got a hookup? Have, is, is your hookup Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? <laughs> he just turns away from me. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be my hookup. See. Cool. Well, I guess uh I guess that's us. Um yes, sir. you can find us on all of the podcasts and websites hey. and apps and hey. all of that jazz. Um you can reach us on TBS Furnace at hotmail.com with some emails. Um 
TBS Furnace or yeah, the Furnace UK, I think. On yes, Twitter. I believe so. Um, um, Does anyone even check on Twitter? Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, uh, you're about to, uh, no. No, we no. we are we are slightly more active on I think slightly we're definitely much more active on Instagram. Thanks yeah. to yourself, Mo. Uh, so you can check us out there um, at the Furnace UK. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's that. Shout out to Rude for the intro and the outro, and to Carmen Turner for the ordinary amazing logo. Hey. Um, I guess that's the Furnace, the heavy hitters. Hey, come on. <laughs>